Yavel bang. Hear ye, hear ye, all rise. Welcome to Have a Good Night Court. With us, as always, is the Honorable H.K. Frywald. And, of course, we have your judge, Casey Van Heel. And joining us, much like any good night court, in episode two, we get our new defense <laughs> attorney, H.L. Gehring. Alex P. Keaton, how you doing? Yeah. Thanks. Guys, how was your night? It was good. Did you have a good night? I had a great night, Court. (laughs) All right. Coming in hot with episode two. We're on episode two. Santa goes downtown. Episode two could be 200. The leaps that they're taking in the second episode ever of the show. Yeah, it was really shocking. I, uh, yeah, right off the bat, I have to say this was confirmation that we're doing the right thing. Wasn't it? It was like manna from hay. Like, you're just like, God led us out of the wilderness. Like, we're doing what's right. This is this episode. So I know, I know, like, we're going to be across the board. We're going to be critical of, and there's things to be critical in this episode of, obviously, as oh, of with course. the show. But, like, I was like, this is a good motherfucking show. Out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, it hit hard. I think my first note is, I mean, it, I made it later on, but. We can see that they took this clearly was sh- they shot. They did classic uh, sitcom um, etiquette, right? It's pretty yeah. obvious. They shot the pilot. The pilot got picked up. And then here's where they begin. They they did some tweaking. They they made sure to prove to us it was a right decision. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can see it. Uh, you can see the passing of time because old Judgy T. Stone has uh, some nice feathery hair. And he's got a little weight on him. He looks comfortable. Yeah, he's good. I think we have to start with our new defense attorney putting a giant correction down on the table for us in the fact that there is... Hans, there is, in fact, a night court that you can go to in New York City. Guys, I've done research all on it. (laughs) I have it. You can hear the paper. Well, it's... It's really funny because Casey was telling me that you guys were doing this, and I was like, "Oh, they should go." And oh. he was like, "What are you talking about?" An and amusement I said, park? They and I built? said, "No, they they Henning and Hans should go to Night Court because I used to work at a hotel and I worked four to midnight, and it's it's free to go. And one of my coworkers was a night owl and f- would find these weird New Yorky things to do after he got off work. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. You're telling me." Night court's free? Night yes. court's free, Casey Van Heel. And you can go whenever you want and free, watch free, the night free court cases. Free gratis. Night, night court is more free than night court. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. <laughs> Which I have some more information on. Uh, we're going to be getting that night court streaming soon. Believe me. I got it. I've been doing I've been doing my homework and I did homework on the real night court. Uh, do we want to start with the episode or do we want to do the periphery stuff? Well, let, since, we, since we're since we into this, let me tell you about Real Night Court, and then we'll get into yeah. the episode. 
Um, Tell me something about real Night Court. So you had sh- you guys had shared that with me uh, about Night Court, and I I couldn't uh-huh. I still didn't believe it when you had told me that Casey the the story of, uh, that Ashley just told us. Yeah, I felt like a schmuck because apparently everybody but us knows, especially Europeans, that yes. New York does have a night court. In fact, it has a night court in every single borough. What? Oh, that I didn't know. We could have gone to Brooklyn night court. Got, uh, could have got knifed. <laughs> true. It could have got knifed at Brooklyn night court. You're correct, dear. Where was that? Brooklyn night court. Knife court. Knife court. <laughs> Brooklyn night court is at 120 Skirmerhorn Street. Ooh, the old dirty skirma. 120, uh, or no, 11201. Um, Night Court was established in 1907. We've had Night Court. Damn! Um, Jesus. Now, like I said, it's a common tourist attraction, uh, uh, bringing in um, um, predominantly Western European visitors. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like an SNL sketch now. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yes. But, Casey, so last episode, as, as we discussed and as people may have heard, we were... We were aghast at the at how Night Court could have gone from an old three card Monty scam to an attempted yeah. murder scam. Totally, like one swing, one fell swoop. They do it all, including up to and not limited to attempted murder, but more to <laughs> real murder, because predominantly Night Court is a, they they do arraignments. So an arraignment ah. is where they just tell you somebody gets in trouble, they get arrested, they get char- or they get charged, and then an arraignment is when a judge explains to the accused what they're being charged with. Yeah. So traditional night court in Manhattan, uh, which is where we are. This is where we're living. Manhattan. It's that's the most popular. It's at 100 Center Street, New York, New York, 113. It is free. It is every day, every day from 5 p.m. Shut up. To 1 a.m., which uh, makes it a bit of an afternoon to night court, I guess. Early evening court. Because, But also what I did find out is that the night court in Queens and the Bronx is 24 hours. It just regular court shifts into night court. Never closes. I see. Um, 24 hour business, huh? It's, it's nonstop. It handles over a hundred thousand cases a year. It handles 70 to 90 cases a night. So we were mocking a, the grease of the gears of justice, basically. Yeah. Also clearly by that schedule, they don't give nearly as much time as the night court officers do. Yeah. Right. Where are the hookers? Where's Where's Carla B? Where's Carla B? Uh, so yeah, night court's very real and I will be very really taking in some, uh, cases very, really soon. <laughs> very, really soon. <laughs> Holy, so that is really good. To, I cannot believe Casey that we did not know. It's good. We I, didn't know because we are a little, we would have been a part of the tapestry of night. Like literally I would be watching you at night court. And then a few weeks later, vice versa. Yeah. I, cause we would, there's no way. In our heyday, not that we're not still in it, but that we would have not had a few, uh, what does Santa Claus call them? A few blasts out of that gin bottle. A blast out of that gin bottle, yeah. <laughs> Before going to night court, which seems like it works in our uh, um, ideal night court world with the gallows oh, of full of these drunken Italians in bathrobes. However, in the real world, 
you can't even get it. You can't even get a fifth of whiskey into a baseball game these days. Oh, I know. You know, I'm just shocked that after your guys's heyday, you didn't end up in night court I as know. defendants. Yeah, it's really we didn't get into any legal you trouble. Really in dodged New York. a bullet. We could have got old South Dakota Redface on to fly in for us. <laughs> but we, yeah, Dan Fielding. Uh, I, I don't know what uh, Cherokee Fielding. <laughs> I actually found that folder of that case. So in a future, we can go on trial for our night court offenses. <laughs> oh, that would be good. Because I have, I have found the documents. That would be good. I guess now we're talking about sort of like the world of night court of like New York, 1984. Uh, I did a little research about uh, just sort of, I had mentioned doing, because there are 13 episodes for the season. So 1984, like kind of cherry picking crimes sort of some of the crimes from the month once a month yeah so i got a couple here just to give us and the listeners a little background like of what new york was like okay yes definitely one case okay, so can you hold one second i gotta yeah. shut the dog up i'll gotta go <laughs> gotta <laughs> upper deck that dog yeah Guilty. All right. All right. Sorry. We're back. Yes. The yes. Definitely. Um. Because of the grit and the feel of Night Court, we got to know the yeah. grit and feel of, of okay. reality of '84. This, here's a first one. This is this is New Year's Eve. Yeah. January thirty first, or no, not even. This is after a month after New Year's Eve. So this is January thirty first. <laughs> Nineteen eighty four. About twenty days after the first airing of Night Court. Oh yeah. We're at least three episodes in, four episodes into Night Court. Uh a nineteen year old man died of acute heart disorder or died of heart disorder and acute alcohol poisoning after drinking a quarter of whiskey and five bottles of beer while French cheered Go, go, go. <laughs> the police said Monday. Kevin Barry <laughs> That's pretty much it. It was just a guy drank himself to death while his friends cheered him on. And did you just did you just finish by giving his real name? No, that was one of the detectives. Oh, all right. I realized that was the best part. Well, that is the best part. And uh, but for the grace of God, go I. That uh, yeah. I mean, I I the, I don't know what was something else was going on with him. Obviously, because that's happening right now as we speak. Right. Oh yeah. No, like a frosty. January Eve, couple roused about like there's no internet at this time. This oh, is yeah. just this is Jackass live. This is pre Jackass. Was this under a bridge? Uh, I didn't say the location, but you gotta you gotta think or yeah. an overpass. <laughs> there's a burning barrel of some sort. Oh God, that's again one <laughs> of my some doo wop, some fresh doo wop being sang on the corner. Favorite New York images or uh, yeah, uh, or crusty Metropolis images is that trash can on fire. We need to do like a um, a Mythbusters. Like, is a trash can fire, is that sustainable? Right. Is that a legit actual thing a hobo could use? Or would a trash can just like, just melt enough in one bottom of the corner so it <laughs> tipped over and just sprayed hot fire and garbage onto the sleeping hobo next to it? I feel like modern trash cans can't sustain nah, the fire. Need those 80s no, cans. No, it's like fireproofed pe- Plastic, but yeah, the 80s cans, absolutely. Because those are like oil drums. Those are metal, yeah, they're drums. Yeah, they had toxic waste that they kicked into the river. (laughs) 
so they could start their hobo fires in it. We were so dumb growing up that uh, we used to have bonfires, like is where we grew up in the Midwest. Um, like that's where you had to go to like to get cheered on while you drank that whiskey. Um, yeah. So we would have these bonfires, but we would make them huge, and we would make them molten hot by throwing on tires, like uh, yeah, vulcanized rubber tires. That's like that a- must have smelled like ass. Oh you yeah, just suck that in. <laughs> so it just created this heat, and then we'd all pass out oh. by the fire because we'd just drink ourselves oh, to sleep. And I remember I woke up one time that next morning, and I had passed out next to the fire and the soles of my shoes had melted <laughs> off of my feet <laughs> oh, god. oh my god no that like i started a bonfire with a bottle of cologne <laughs> and a bunch of old magazines yeah and there's always that asshole that like so weird shit goes on the fire but i remember we were doing it one we were having a fire out at one lake and uh Somebody threw like a a rotting goose carcass on the fire. Oh God! Yes, <laughs> just like, like an old swan. Yes, because <laughs> it was like, no, dude, that's too big. That's gonna kill the fire, and it was just like inky, gross. Uh, and you're like, oh, it burns pretty good, and then it just stank. Of course, putting that disease in the air, can uh, bird flu. dancing around that. Fire like the Joker at the end of Batman. It's this toxic gas belches from this fire. How do we get on fire? Oh, trash can uh, fire. 80s. Well, we can go to the next little little tidbit. Hit me. It's a little bit long, but it's worth reading for the beginning. Uh, weapons seized in schools. This is from February 5th, 1984. Uh, officials here have cracked down on students who carry weapons and have confiscated more than 200 knives, guns, pieces of pipe, chucka sticks, and other weapons since the start of the school year. <laughs> uh, love it. 80s school. Pipes. Uh, that's That has been a month and five days, by the way. Oh, shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> they said start of the new year, not school year. Oh, right. Sure. That, well, that could have been a miss. No? Fuck it. Let's say New Year. I was going to say it could be bad writing. Uh, what else? Uh, other highlights. A security force of 300 trained unarmed guards patrol inside and outside of cities, 13 high schools, one junior high school, and 65 elementary schools uh, watching for crimes in progress or drug-related incidents. Officials said that although 80% of the weapons have been confiscated in high schools, the rest have been seized in 6th grade and below. Oh, yes. All six. weapons were taken from boys. So twenty percent of the chucka sticks. What's a ch- what's a chucka stick? <laughs> I have no are idea. They, are they like nunchucks? I it may be like bad reporting. I gotta think because I read it, and part of the reason why I kept it because I was like, chucka stick. That's fucking hilarious. C H U C K A. Yeah, it's C H U K K A. K K K A. Chucka kaka. Chucka stick. Chucka stick. Are you looking that? <laughs> up? Watch it be really racist. Maybe it's gonna get spicy. Is it like a like a long like a nunchucks with longer sticks on them? You got to think it's probably like a stumpy little nunchuck. They're literally no, they're longer, but they're nunchucks. That's exactly what they are. Nunchucks. That's a chuck a stick. Like that's what your grandpa calls a nunchuck, just to give it a little more spice. You got one of them chuck a sticks. Uh, yeah. So that was ah, it's it's shorthand or slang from nunchaku. A traditional Okinawan 
martial arts weapon. Oh, Chukka. All right. Okinawa. So we got some old timer war war survivors on the force. Uh, what else is on there? Can you uh, think of a more 80s weapon than a nunchuck? A chucka stick? No, I don't think I can. <laughs> I don't think so either. Those were, I mean, how bad did you want a pair of nunchucks in the in in the 80s? And this is like early 80s, so this is like grindhouse movies are super popular in New York. Yeah. And those are all like kung fu movies from the 70s. Oh my god. Bruce Lee is Bruce Lee still alive? At this point, uh, I don't know what year he died. Did he? He, he early eighties, I believe. He he died. So maybe late seventies. He wasn't around to see the Chucka stick craze of New York. Can you imagine? I mean, I know we talked about how prevalent um, muggings and 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 stuff like that was in New York. You know, some of those motherfuckers were getting mugged with Chucka sticks. Yeah, you're like, no, you can't have my wallet. Whap. Yeah, and people that didn't know how to use it, right? Like a re- the real way you use a chucka stick <laughs> is like you can use it defensively, right? Like to unarm somebody with a weapon, like to hit him in the hand. I'm assuming to yeah. drop something, but also a nunchuck. Just you put enough, you get a, you wind up, you crack somebody with that. It's just like hitting someone with a bat, yeah, or, or worse because it, it has like it gets more momentum with the swing from one piece to the other. Because I think it's like, I, I don't know, I'm speaking out of my ass, but I think the weapon itself is like a poor person weapon to defend yourself from like a spear or right. like a long sword. Sure, exactly. Because you can swing it away. You, you know what you I mean? You can swap it away or you can wrap it around it and like kind of strip it from somebody. I don't know. Or but- strip my wallet out of my pants, apparently. just get You just <laughs> crack someone over the head with that nut. Right across the butt cheeks. <laughs> Give me that wallet. <laughs> Yeah, man. I, I think I might do some research on getting myself a real pair of nunchucks. Get your pair now of nunchucks. No, you got to use the real term, chucka. Got to get me some chucka. I need some chucka sticks. Chucka, sucka. That's, that's, like, that's like coming back like the younger me would be, if he was sitting next to me right now, he would be so ashamed to know that I have never owned the a financial means <laughs> to buy myself a pair of chucka sticks and I haven't done it. You go, what, you're 30? I don't know if I'm... I was having trouble... I'm, I'm either 33 or 34. I'm having one of those like blanked out days. He would be so disappointed <laughs> that uh, I have a. You don't know your age, and b. You don't have a set of killer chuckets. He would he would hit me with uh with a. Uh, I wonder was I a gun kid? Maybe he'd want me to have a gun. I'd rather get chuckets than a gun. <laughs> well, here are the other things they found: uh, uh, scores of gravity and hunting knives, and a gravity knife is like a switchblade. How is it different uh, than a switchblade? I think it may not have the spring. I'm not sure. I'll have to look it up. But I read it quick, and I was like, I thought it was a typo. But then it said, gravity and hunting knives, daggers, several straight razors, a pair of brass knuckles, four realistic toy guns, a starter pistol. Oh, yeah. That's a young Frywald weapon there. For sure. Just scare them. <laughs> Pieces of pipe, and then, of course, more trucker sticks. Those pipe, yeah, the pipe's pretty brutal. Brass knuckles. I'm gonna again. I need. I'm. Hey, are brass knuckles illegal? I believe so. Just to own, right? I mean, it's not like uh, like something you shouldn't carry around, but you can't even have it in your house. Well, it's from this era in New York. You can't have a knife blade longer than uh, four fingers. Uh, from your thumb to your finger or something, right? Or four? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's like basically longer than the 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 width of the palm of your hand. Right. So you can have a pocket knife unless it's long. Like, if you have a long pocket knife, that's like a murder, sure. a serial killer weapon. Like right. a long, skinny knife. 
Of course. That's like Jack the Ripper. I had a really cool tool in my wallet that looked like a credit card. And then you could, it was plastic and, and, and I'll get to it, but you just unclipped one side. So it's shaped like a credit card. You unclipped one side, you unclipped the other side and then clip them together. And it becomes a knife with a little plastic handle. And I now realize, and with uh, a, not only a knife with a little plastic handle, but like, um, a, like a carbon knife blade. So there's no metal to it whatsoever. So basically it's a way for somebody to get a weapon into some place. I think the most amount of money I ever spent while I was poor was when I worked, and that'll transition into my my next and final little news piece. So when I worked at the restaurant in the Lower East Side, Alan and Delancey. Yep. That's where we met. That's where we met by my lovely wife, the defender defending attorney A.L. Gary. <laughs> um but I started as a as a host. Yep. And uh it was like a super fancy, well-reviewed restaurant when it opened and until it closed. Uh, for whatever reason, like I was the sort of Johnny on the spot. I was the host. I worked during the day, so I knew where everything was. After one busy weekend, there was like a bunch of nice jackets in the lost and found, and then there was a fucking samurai sword. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, so it sat in the lost and found, and I kind of kept tucking it in the back because... As you can imagine, no one showed up stone cold sober to claim their lost samurai. Sword. <laughs> right, that's so crazy. Was was it Keanu Reeves's? Yeah, right. <laughs> so enough time went by. I just went to the managers. I was like, "So this has been here a long time, and no one's claimed it. I'm taking it home." And they're like, "Oh yeah, okay. You're so adamant about it, of course." Uh, so. I- I had it and like I felt real cool because it was in my book bag. Yeah, but sticking out like just in case the hand showed up, I could fight ninja samurai style. Sure, you're and like I started a surf ninja. Exactly like a surf ninja, and then I walked down the subway and I immediately got so fucking crazy paranoid. Of course, I ran out of the subway and hailed a cab and paid like seventy dollars to take a cab to our apartment in Long Island City. Because I was like, I'm not going to jail, but B, more important, I'm not losing this goddamn samurai sword. Yeah, you would. That would be like, I wonder what you could get. Um, I'm sure. Well, it depends on the officer you get. Let me stop stuttering here. But you, if you got a shitty officer, you get possessions of a deadly weapon, which could be right, yeah. pretty fuck you over. Or you could just get like. Dude, that's a samurai sword. We get it. Get it home. You're not supposed to have that out. But um, Oh, real quick, the end of that uh, knife story of my wallet knife is I was detained at the World Trade Center Memorial Museum because I forgot <laughs> it was in my wallet. And that passed through the like metal detector scanner, and they had to take me to the side and um, reprimand me for trying to bring in a <laughs> hidden knife Jesus. into the World Trade Center Museum. If that place wasn't sad enough already. My parents were so... You got really lucky with that. I really am surprised you just got kind of like a stern slap on the wrist. Well, it's like what... Yeah, I mean, it is... It's a cool little device. I don't have... They they kept it because I was too like... I should have just been like, okay, hold on to it. I'll get it later. It's... Let's be... I don't know why a lot of times you can't be reasonable adults here. Like, Mm -hmm. don't you see like... One, the blade is certainly not long enough. I keep it because 
sometimes you just like it's convenient to have something like that. Right. Uh, it's uh, it's not illegal for me to have. I forgot it. It's it's frowned upon for you to bring it in here, right. hold it on to me. But instead, I was like, "All right, Mister, thanks for letting me oh. off with a warning. Thanks for not sending me to Sing Sing." Yeah, and then, but of course, my parents were like, "We will never live it down. It's going to be in the Watertown police blotter that we again have pissed on the ashes of all those that perished." But meanwhile, my meanwhile, my old man in the in the uh, museum didn't turn his phone volume off, and he still has the elect the fake audible shutter on his phone. So every time we were walking through, it was like, it's just like, oh my god! <laughs> it's like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre camera. Oh man, it was so loud, and and of course, like people who's were taking vi- photos in here. Yeah, you, you're allowed to take photos, but like it was a very somber mood as it should be. <laughs> and uh, the the thing was, I was across the way, and we got. I'm I'm really on a tangent. Thanks for sticking with us, Night Cordies. But um, <laughs> I was across because if you don't know the World Trade Center, it's in New York. It's down by the real Night Court. If you're in the World Trade Center Museum, you're actually in where the buildings were. You're in the where the foundation was because they had to. Uh, base the foundation so deep it's crazy how big those buildings were um i was all the way across on the other side and it's totally silent and i hear my dad i hear that camera because he's taking a picture of my mom with leaning on a i don't know on, <laughs> leaning a, on that crushed fire truck <laughs> exactly exactly and look I, how small it is and i just <laughs> lift my head and right away, he knows that I know that he shouldn't have turned his phone to silent, but he also knows that he doesn't know how to do that. Um, <laughs> so we just make eye contact, and uh, in true Frywald fashion, the only thing we can think is, of course, anytime we're in a public place, we do something to I've already been kicked. I've already been reprimanded for the knife. He's now taking. He's now making the most noise in the place. So all we can do is just laugh. So now we're just oh, loudly goodness. laughing across the way in the World <laughs> Trade Center Museum. Hadn't been so embarrassed since my dad got kicked out of John Wayne's birth home for eating an ice cream cone. Say <laughs> so you can kick me out, but I'm finishing this cone. <laughs> just kick the cone out of his hand. <laughs> Ooh, it's a Chuck Norris museum as well, apparently. Yeah, watch out for those Chuckanucks or whatever they are. (laughs) Those Chuck sticks. So I got one more uh, from our our crime blotter. It's a little, I'll just get to it. It's a little long, but I'll get through it. No, no, do it. Do it up. We're being introduced to a character I hope we see again from real life, the police commissioner at the time. So uh, the title of the story is uh, 1,362 seized in an 18, in 18 days of, drug, of a drug drive raid downtown. Okay. A crackdown on a drug supermarket on the Lower East Side resulted in the arrest of 1,360, resulted in a 1,362 arrests in 18 days. Oh, whoa. But the overall problem is beyond the powers of the police, says Police Commissioner Benjamin Ward. The police spokesman said that 14... Or excuse me, 416 of these arrests were sales of narcotics, 626 were for, for possession, 159 were for loitering, and 161 for a variety of other charges. None of these cases have yet to come to trial. 
The crackdown began early on January 19th in a raid involving more than 200 police officers. It was designed to retake the streets from drug possessors in an area between 14th Street, 14th and Delancey Streets, uh, bounded by Bowery and Avenue A. Mm -hmm. So that's a huge chunk of the city. Like, that's from Union Square down. Yeah, that's basically the entire lower tier. It's Alphabet City, basically. Yeah. Uh, let me get to the good stuff. So they uh, raided. Oh, here's the best stuff. All right, uh, they're moving out. Uh, we'll move. We'll move them. Uh, we'll move them out of here," said uh, Mr. Ward. Uh, the steerers are people who uh, call people down to get drugs, so they send undercover forces after them. Uh, I think it's breaking up," he said. "Of the drug ab- activity, the level of street action is down." Previously, the action was so intense, it looked like a candy store. However, Mr. Ward acknowledged that such a concerted operation by police only amounted to fighting brush fires, and the dealers would simply move elsewhere. It's essentially a federal problem, he said. I don't believe that any law enforcement action is going to reduce the amount of drugs coming into this country. Where are they going, he said. I hope they go to Jersey. oh that's such an 80s new york thing isn't it it's such a serious like drug problem and then they just go get him to new jersey that was printed in a newspaper that was in the new york times the paper of record oh my god we can't even say ex-con anymore and this guy's bashing a whole state no and they're talking about drugs so prevalent you go to 14th street they had the barkers, like the fucking street guys, like, hey, what do you want? Coke? You want a rock? What do you need? Heroin? What? It just it's, it's like going to Chinatown for a handbag now. No, exactly. But it's drugs, and it's a whole quadrant of the city. It's called a supermarket. Yeah, they went so far as to jokingly call it a fucking supermarket. Is this, uh, are we talking, so we're in 84 January, are we talking crack I don't know who coined this, probably Reagan. Are we talking about this crack, this drug epidemic, crack epidemic? It is because doing the research, there's a ton of uh, stuff about the uh, election. Okay. This is Reagan's ramping up for his reelection. So I think this is, if not the early stages, it is the beginning of the crack epidemic. This when it gets, this is when it gets. uh, Epidemic. Well, it really was, was it not? No, so that huge chunk, just like a fabulous wonderland. It's the be- it's Sam Rockwell at the beginning of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. <laughs> Selling cigarettes and drugs just to anybody. Regular they mental. They swoop in, chase all the drug dealers out, and his response is, I hope they go to New Jersey. Speaking of, um, speaking of uh, Sam Rockwell, uh, you know, like going back and watching Turtles and seeing someone who's now a very uh, famous actor uh, kind of brings us into episode two of Night Court. Yeah. You want to get into it? Oh, totally. Yeah. So I, I have the description as we did last time, like so I can kind of set up the episode. Yeah, let's do it. And you guys tell me. Ash, you watched the episode, obviously, right? I did, yes, and I have Alex P. Keaton, Michael J. Fox notes. Woo! Coming in hot. She came in. She just stole my thunder. One. All right. All right. Contempt. <laughs> contempt of have a good night, court. All right. Um, all right. There's an objection overruled. All right. Uh, you guys tell me what you think about um, this uh, description. This is just the classic uh, Wikipedia description, which their wiki needs some work. Um, the the name of the episode is Santa Goes Downtown. 
It's uh, directed by Asad Kalada. Probably not pronounced right. It's, again, written by... God, this episode Wee-gee. was so good. Written by Reinhold Wiege. Is that what we said? Showrunner. Showrunner creator. Showrunner creator and the writer of this episode. It aired January 11th. Very interesting air date for Santa Goes Downtown. It aired January 11th, 1984, and it's described as such. The season is merry, as Harry deals with a man in a red suit charged with trespassing and tries to restore the pair of cynical teenage runaways, well, the cat's already out of the bag, played by Michael J. Fox and Olivia Barash. Quick note, Paula Kelly joins the cast, and she fucking kills it. Joins the cast oh, as public defender Liz Williams, replacing Gail Strickland, who we talked about on the last episode, who was only in that one episode. Sexy glasses, did never never had the chance never to take to her, hair, her down. hair down. Nope. She'll forever stay. Uh, That's our spec script episode. She comes back. Can you imagine <laughs> pitching a Gail? It's no weirder than any other spec script we came into. So what do you guys think? Fair description? I think it's a little light. I think it's light, but I also want to point out a comment that you made that it's odd that it's a seasonal show, uh, a seasonal episode that comes out in January, but actually it's very clear in the episode that in the timeline, oh, yes. it is after the holiday. They make So that point. it could be happening in January. Do you think that was added later? No, it was in... It's it w- post-Christmas, pre-February. So it's sometime in late December or January. So let we can get into right into the episode because it opens. That's a great catch, Ash. Uh, and they bring it up that so the first thing we see is the defendant in court. We got our new defense attorney. Uh, she has a dirty, greasy, fucking like trading places, dirty Dan Aykroyd Santa Claus. <laughs> I had to say, and I think I'll stand by this. He is the crustiest Santa with the crustiest Santa suit. I, in all of my years of watching this trope of crusty Santa Clauses, have ever seen. I, I do trading places at number one, but this is a close number two. I like that he was clean, cut, facial-wise. Facial-wise. Like they didn't give him the greasy, long gray hair. Yep. He had a beard. Like He was well manicured in his facial hair and hair. What but- I'll also say was a good addition to the costume was that he had either a filthy a very uh, yeah, filthy Grandpa undershirt. Grandpa Joe's undershirt. Or sometimes it was almost so dirty that it it kind of blended in to it be a like flesh his, color. It, it, it looked, looked like his like, bare chest. Yes, yeah. I, was, I so- thought he was wearing pajamas with his chest open. I just said that is a beautiful costume choice. As well as, I guess the way reason I say is so crusty is because the tobacco stainedness of the whites on his suit oh, yeah. was so oh, yeah. rich and real looking that it was. It was whenever they touched him, I was just like, "Whoo, yeah. you're gonna have to shower." Buddy. Is that a passing gut reaction, or does that still hold up to today? That like soiled, rough Santa. It still works for me. I, I that imagery works for me, which is why I like the episode because I thought it felt it really fleshed out the weird as we talked about the night weirdo night cordy world, like having a Santa Claus in the middle of January, early February get arrested and he's still wearing that gross. He's been wearing that for the whole month of December. Right. He's living under a bridge. Yeah. 
Well, where did they say he was with a lot of vagrants sleeping inside of Macy's or something? He broke into it. That's what he's arrested for. He was arrested for breaking into someone's home. Tres- no, no, no. no. Was, Trespassing in a department store. Oh, it was a department store. Okay. I got to say, though, guys, how are we? I know we do see him very early, but the episode truly starts with Carla B. Oh, our first, our first reoccurring character. Casual our hooker. Hooker Carla with B. the heart of gold. Carla B. She's off and that she, night. And she gets a killer one-liner because old Judge Harry T. Is learning magic. Is up there doing his craft. And I love that they show everybody just sick of it. Because <laughs> I'm sick of it. Like, I would be sick of it. Like, but no, in real time. Like, if he was a real guy and you worked with him and every fucking day, he's like, hey, Hans, hey, Hans. You got something behind your ear. Oh, yeah. And you're like, I bet it's a quarter. And he's like, no, it's a ball. Yeah. Like, oh, good. It's a ball this time. Yeah, I mean, it does. At least it was more magic-y than, than gags-y, but uh, yeah. yeah, I agree. So Carla B, why do you think they went with Carla? Why why add the B? Why not just Carla? I don't know. Carla B's got a little snap. It does. It's, a, it's pretty good. Uh, and it's more, you're in a court. It's formal. It's your first and last name, Judge Harry. Like, everybody has a title. Like, why not refer to her? Like, you see her every day, but there's a lot of Carla's. Oh, it's Carla B. Let's be honest, though. As we find out in this episode, this is um, this court is less of a formal courtroom and more of a, of a, of a fatherly den. Oh, it's a den of... of well, well, you know what's really funny for that? I don't know if you saw, Hans, but the director was most famous for directing and being very integral in the facts of life. And I was like, well, that Ooh. makes sense because this is a very facts of life. This is episode. a very facts of life episode. It is. I, I did a lot of research, guys, on, on we discussed last episode of what we'll get into this episode, but of what sh- how this came in the TV lineup and what show it potentially replaced and this and that. So well, I have all that info, but it did air after uh, facts of life. Oh, there we go. A little there transition. More DNA. They're sharing DNA. But we're rolling over Car- Carla Bia's killer killer one-liner. So we established that Harry is still doing magic. He's still the wisecracking magic judge. With a new haircut. And everybody's sick of it. And he goes, hey, Carla, want to see a trick? And her response, I'm off. Which isn't a real joke. She does she tricks. She's a trick. Yeah, but... She's she off tricks. tonight. So She's if, off the clock. No tricks. You want to see a trick? I'm off tonight. Yeah, but that would be, do you want to do a trick? Or you are a trick. Because if she wants She's to gotta see-, see the trick first. There's a little meet and greet before you commit to the oh, I think we're overanalyzing this. So the prostitute's not a trick. The act is a trick? The act is a trick. Oh yeah. turn in she tricks. Turns, oh. She turns she turn tricks. tricks. Yeah, I always thought when they said trick that that referred to a noun meaning prostitute, not the act of tricking. Oh, we got some sweet, spicy epithets in this episode, but we'll get to them. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, all right, getting back to it. We didn't what we wanted Carla to Carla B, we got Carla her. Carla B or do. Now we're at um, John Stevens. Our dirty Santa Claus and yep. how he fits into the, the milieu of the dirty night and its courts. Uh, and they are, he's going up for trespassing. That's the crime of the week. This week is breaking and entering, trespassing. And uh, no one knows who he is. They don't know why they, he broke in and they ask him and he's, he's sticking to his guns. He's old Chris Kringle. Oh, he's Santa Claus. Exactly. No, uh, 
No identification, so um, because of that, he's stuck in limbo in night court until they can, uh, they're waiting on his fingerprints. And they get all the sweet little gags about, like, oh, you're Santa Claus, and he goes to Bull, like, I read your letter, and Bull says thank you. Fielding. And they go into the Dan Fielding, where Dan Fielding's been burning him the whole time, and then he reveals there's a, little Dan had a thing with, with a doll. Dan Fielding has a big leap to from episode one to episode two, huh? He's leaning into the old scumbag. Yeah, wise-cracking he's scum. a wise-cracking, uh, take-no-guff kind of guy. So we're seeing that. Oh, then we get to our Selma gag, which is, this is all pre-intro. Yeah. Uh, they bring him up at the court. He sees Selma a little like, there's a little look of recognition, like, ooh la la, who's this fine young minx? <laughs> she kills it. She turns to him as like, ah, you know. He goes, hello, I'm Santa Claus. Yeah, he goes, hello, I'm Santa Claus. I'm the Easter Bunny. Let's have lunch. <laughs> Selma. Great line. She's great. Show. She. I just wrote, she has the best job of the show. Like, that's your money gig. Go in. You got two hot one-liners per episode. I mean. And I, the more you get to know her, the more the intro thing of her with the cigarette hanging out of her mouth. Still funny. Still oh, works. Yeah. She fits. She fits. Uh, we talked about um, the new defense attorney. Um, yeah. Can I get a little p- political? So new defense attorney, Liz Williams, played by Paula Kelly. She kills it. Like, I was like, gosh, she's, there's so much, like, really genuine. I'm not being facetious here. Good acting. There's a lot of chewing the scenery, but there's like, these guys, it's like, there's this idea, like, we talked about it last week about how, like, people made fun of sitcoms and this and that, and it's like a hacky medium and this and that. Like, people are fucking, people learned their lines in this episode and fucking committed. Mm hmm. And now we're getting to the big commit. Well, before that, if I could say really quickly, it's done. The entire show is done very much like a play in terms of staging, in Mm, terms of attacking lines and pauses, in terms of camera work. They really just kind of let them do the scene and edit it after the fact. Yeah. No, it's true. That's a good point. even until the like at the end, it's the the typical play musical quote unquote jazz hands moment where literally the entire cast is present. They're all in that office. Oh no, you're right. This is jumping ahead a bit, but you're totally right because there's a joke earlier, um, where Bull is standing there slack jawed, and the camera st- starts on his face and then pulls pans out. pans out to the scene already set. And they carry on the rest of the scene, and he just stands there like a dope. Yeah, like a real dope. Yeah. So you're no, totally right. Like, like they, they do stage They're it. They're very good. Oh, man. The sitcoms used to be really good. I was going to say real quick, though, uh, that political idea, I, I like. I realize now that we have Paula Kelly, do you think that was a studio note that said, hey, guys, by the way, in your pilot episode, you had 100% zero diversity unless we think that guy's actually italian in that bathrobe uh bull is tall yeah bull is tall and he might be slavic <laughs> but uh <laughs> but i i gotta say uh, and it has nothing to do with like why because she was great but i was like oh good at least we have 
some people of color in the I don't show now. think it was a diversity note. Like think of the other like Cheers like Cheers is the whitest show ever made. Again, I don't th- think this diversity was but you also have to think I, I agree. She with was you, just Casey, really good. But you She's also great. have to think of the fact that it would be nice to have a black lawyer. Yeah. Right. In a sort like so it, it may have been more of a factor at that time than another sitcom because I, I don't think in general sitcoms cared about diversity as much. No. I don't think that was an issue, but given the fact that it's a court TV show and you're yeah. gonna have you're doing some show, type of defendant every and, single time, it might be nice to have a black lawyer. Right. And so that you, you if if you have a black defendant, it's not just like, oh, it's a bunch people of white people. Of, people of color a black are always person. the defendant. Oh, right, of exactly. Course. Like I think that that could have I been think so, taken yeah. into account. I mean, I hope so. the I almost didn't bring it up because I didn't want to make it her. sound like she was great. Um, she didn't deserve to be there because she's she kills it. Oh but no, I was she like, kills there's it. There's something I was like that was a big change, and I think it was a good one. Can I say this though? One of the shows that it potentially replaced. One of the shows that was in the 1983 season that was not in the 1984 season. So there was a few shows that potentially the Night Court took its slot. And one of them was called Love, Sydney. Have you guys ever heard of it? I have not. It was a show starring Tony Randall. And he plays the first ever gay lead in a televised sitcom. In which Why didn't it last? He lives with his mom <laughs> and her five-year-old, or he comes off the street to live with a mom. I don't know why he knows the mom and Was her he a five-year-old daughter. Tramp? Like, is he turning tricks himself? Maybe it did. I'm really... tired of turning tricks. I'm gonna live with my mother. I'm gay. It really did not go in depth. What, what is that? I was just gonna say, who is that? It's Tony Randall. Anyways, I, 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 just a little diversity kick, but let's get to the real meat and potatoes of this episode. Uh, we can't speak of the 80s without speaking of the king, the prince, almost bigger than the, the prince of rock and roll. Is that what Michael Jackson was called? King, king of pop? King prince of, pop. of rock and I think prince, prince was the prince of rock, rock and roll. Uh, Michael J. F. and Fox Mother is our second defendant of the episode. When he walked out, I, it was like a boon to my spirits. I was floored that I, and I just, just like, you know what my first thought was? Like, I should have just been satisfied. Like, thank you, night court gods for giving me this opportunity. But I got greedy and I was like, what else you got in store? Like, I can't wait for future episodes of who's going to slime slink out of these doors, you know? Well, number one, when he first came out, I was like, oh, my God, they gave that young girl such a horrible haircut. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then I set up. I was like, wait, that's Michael J. I think our reaction was what the reaction was at the time 25 years ago. <laughs> like, I feel like that reaction goes in cycles. Like, at the moment, people are like, oh, my God, that's Michael J. Fox on the show. I didn't know he was on. Like, Because our reaction was like, holy shit, that's fucking Michael J. Fox. Yeah, because uh, Family Ties was our, had already been out for two years. Right. So what we, we looked that up and we found that out. And what we deduced is that people really, you know, wanted to see, you know, network executives wanted Night Court to do well. It was a show that they liked. And so what better way to do that than promoting Alex P. Keaton? Yeah. On. On Night Court. Going, going a, from or a, out of. 
yeah, going from a, a you know staunch Republican kind of you know stick up to this uh, New Yorky Eddie oh. Eddie Sims, which Eddie Sims, which makes sense as to why in my notes it says Shecky J Fox. Yeah, <laughs> he's bad. He was slinging zings. Yeah, he was rocking and rolling. God, he's a good actor, huh? Uh, no, it was funny because Ashley made the point. And we'll, like, as we're going through it. So, yeah, they introduced Michael J. Fox. He is the defendant on the show at the time and now, Mike, uh, P. Keaton, Alex P. Keaton. He's a hard-nosed street kid. He's with his, he, he's with his best lady. I tried to find stuff on her. I couldn't really, um, didn't find a lot on the actress. He's, he's doing his best, like... He's showing ja- range. He's showing range. He is. He's doing James Dean, Rebel Without a Cause. Like, he respects nobody... No one is safe. He's slinging insults. Bomber jacket, le- tan leather bomber jacket. Bomber jacket. Uh, and then our character that has said and told and proven to everybody that he's Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. Tips, you know, goes to the kid like, hey, like, why are you being such a wiseacre? Like, <laughs> I, I love you. Like, yes. Santa would love you. <laughs> and then we get a new spicy JP epithet. S- Dirty Santa goes in to give him a hug, and he's like, "I love you." I've, I'm watching you, and he's like, "Hey, take it easy. I ain't no Twinkie." Boom! Get your hands off me, you Twinkie! I know it. He's like, "Who's this guy? A Twinkie?" Oh, that's right. we got a Twinkie in here. They're written down right there. And you know what? You don't do in Judge Harry T. Stone's court. Say that fucking word, Twinkie. That might as well be the N word to him. The T word. The T dub. Twink. He flipped. He flipped the fuck. Flipped out. on a dime. Oh, fucking fun-loving magic man himself Oof. doesn't tolerate it. He did not. Although that word, that he unbuttoned his his robe. Oh, that's, that's right. He came out with his robe unbuttoned. He's like, hey, heat. You don't talk to anybody like that. Well, it's true. The the the, the term not is not a uh, a negative term, but it has permeated the 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 uh, homosexual culture. Yeah, the twink, 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 yeah, twink. Yeah, sure. That's a big twinkie. That's true. That's a big twinkie. But actually, they're small. This uh, this turn of the Twinkie brings us to the first. Um, this brings us to Santa's. Uh, uh, let's call it a monologue, which is I. I don't. You know what? What is? Sh- how shitty of me not to write the the actor who plays Santa Claus down because he goes into because he's spiel. not an actor. He's Santa Claus, right? Uh, his name is Corey. His oh. name's Corey. You're right. Uh, he doesn't look like yeah. a Corey. He's got the youngest 80s boy name in the world, and he's a dirty old Santa? His name's Jeff Corey. Oh, yep. Jeff Corey. Corey he looks, Jeff. He does look like a Jeff. Anyways, he goes into his spiel uh, about how, like, you can call me a Twinkie, you can call me a liar, but don't say I don't care. And I watched this episode twice, and it was the second time that it caught me. I was like, ah, oh, damn, I think I'm going to cry. And then it goes into that hacky trope of he got so emotional he's going to have a heart attack. Oh, yeah. No, he took the knee. Yeah, oh, Don't yeah. take the knee, Santa. Uh, Ashley brought this up. They, uh, It's referenced in the show that Alex P. Keaton makes uh, – he references other television shows. Oh, He references the Munsters. Yes. He calls, he's like, you ever seen the Munsters? When he's first introduced, they ask him his name, Batman. which is part of the reason why he stays in court is because they need to find out who these two kids are. Much like Santa. And he's like, 
my name's Peeve the Beave or whatever he said. He's one of like Beaver Cleaver. And then his girlfriend references the Twilight Zone. She's like, I've seen this is like an episode of the Twilight Which, Zone. And he references Batman. And he references Batman, but the actual episode of the Twilight Zone that they reference, Reinhold Wiege has to have seen it because it's one of the top ten episodes of Twilight Zone. And it's the same thing. It's like Art Carney, Honeymooners fame, Art Carney yeah. plays a f- fucking ginned up Santa Claus. Oh. And it's Christmas Eve. And he's. Your app. No, your app's. Keep going. Uh, he's just drinking on the streets and passing out. And everyone's like, ah, bah, humbug, you old drunk. And no one wants to touch him or talk to him. And all this, like, poor drunk wants to do is, like, make people happy as Santa Claus. And he ends up finding a a magic bag of toys. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, like he encounters like a cop and the cop's like, get out of here, you drunk. And he ends up pulling out of this bag of toys something that this guy wants. So he ends up becoming and taking on the persona of Santa Claus and turning from this, like the most detestable person on the planet to Santa Claus. Well, on IMDb, the one review of this episode by Scarecrow88, he go- he delves into this very specifically. So either he's really into the trivia of this, or he was someone on the inside, or oh, knew is this the Night Court someone. review or the Twilight Zone? The Night Court episode review. In it, he claims, "Let's kick it that to this Scarecrow." Is, everybody liked the pilot, but. Episode two, when they kind of reformatted and got the new cast and kind of got an Feels. idea of what they were doing, is that Weegee wanted to do and didn't shy away from a comedy Twilight Zone. Ooh. Interesting. That, Scarecrow 88. Looking at, uh, that's cool. Like, if we look, now we have a new prism with which to view the rest of our night courts. Like, look- how fulfilling is this? We're only in episode two. I know. We, Rigi, Wigi, you, 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 you left us too young. That's fascinating. Because you know, I never, I, I, I just got that joke as like, yeah, it's weird. It's Twilight Zone, but as a writer and as you guys know, like, ideas always stem from somewhere. And I'm almost, I can, I can be ninety five percent assured that he was like, it's like that Twilight Zone episode. Boom, A goes to B to C to Z. Ah, make a Twilight Zone reference. I love breaking that shit down. Yeah. I, like, I want to know when they decided that they could actually kind of go with, and we'll get into it, I'm sure, plot-wise, but it was really interesting to me of what time, at what point in the writer's room did they decide, you know what, this guy is going to be Santa. It adds to his creepiness, the night court weirdness. I'm still holding to my guns. The imagery of that dirty Santa Claus in February. Yeah. Like, is so of that time, dirty, scummy New York. Like, oh, totally. You see a, a dirty guy in an Easter bunny costume. You're like, ah, what a fucking loon. Yeah. What, um, uh, oh, wait. So, you guys, are you guys walking away from this episode, uh, thinking that, uh, old John Stevens is actually Santa Claus? I'm, oh, walk- yeah. I'm walking away thinking he has the best comeback ever for oh. anything. Ho, ho. No, just the he and he and uh, Michael J. Fox are getting into it, and he's putting on his Santa thing, and Fox isn't falling for it. He's too tough. He's too streetwise. No one loves him. No one cares about him. And he just goes, "I don't believe in you, Santa Claus." 
And then Santa Claus's response is, well, I believe in you. I know it. I love it. <laughs> I was like, yes! Hold on. So, you, Hans, you don't think he was Santa? All right. Uh, we'll get there. There's a okay, Twilight Zone we'll cliffhanger get, we'll get at the we'll end of this there. episode. <gasps> yeah, exactly. Um, God, also, what? if he's not Santa Claus, he's got... What I love is that Harry gets more and more frustrated with this creature... That is actually magic. Yes. And he practices magic. magic. And he hates this guy more than anybody else because he's a fake magician. Oh, you're really diving deep psychologically there. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, what? And I, what my, it was like, okay, if this guy isn't a Santa Claus, like, he has the, the crappiest mutant slash superpower in the world. He's like the guest, the, the gift guesser. Because he knows everybody's gifts. They um. So we're, we 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 leave off with the Twilight Zone reference, and now where do we find us? We find ourselves in chambers. Yeah, we went to a, a commercial break. We came back, and my note was Harry's office is in full '80s effect. He's rocking it. This is the Harry's office I remember as a kid. Boombox. Got the uh, old uh, Marilyn Monroe behind his desk with that. The Nerf, the Nerf hoop. Of course. That really flimsy plastic rim with that crappy net. That shitty ball that was either foam, so it didn't have any way to travel towards the net, or it was like that plasticky, but it was too, um, it was never full with enough air, so it like, yeah, yeah, never bounced back to you. It's like we grew up at the end of the Depression. No one could afford leather to make balls of, for the game of basket. Right, 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 right. I always, I was always jealous of those kids that had the cool um, basketball to laundry net hoop. Oh, my God. The fucking dirty. Poor moms, man. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because it was just a, a, a hoop-shaped basket. Yes. So you put your dirty underwear and your jizzy socks in there, and she's got to fish them out of a fucking giant <laughs> net. Like three, three points. Man's inhumanity to moms, man. Man's inhumanity to moms. The mom cast. I, I made the. It's a, it's amazing. We are both, uh, or all, all three of us are, are are are. I think we're. I I, I can kind of picture you guys watching this because I think you're watching it like me, notebook in hand. Uh, oh, totally. Because I'm making the same notes I got uh, of the office. You you have traditional law meets. Uh, there's a new sheriff in town. You got the law books with a meets boom a game box show in where there. you got to find a flag somewhere. Like that's his <laughs> office. It's like you guys got to find the magic pie in this office. Go. You got to dig up. Uh, you got to dig up that nose cavity through that gap. Because <laughs> there's like ski poles and like yeah, hairy. There's a um, whimsy, a man of whimsy. The, I want this and someday I'll have it much like my chuckernucks, my nun, nun, chucka sticks. Your chucka sticks. Uh, there's an um, in Harry's office to show that it is at night in court in New York. <laughs> they have a like little half uh, moon shaped window that oh, has like a, a really poor, piss poor back setting of some 80s skyscrapers with blaring like hot yellow lights coming off of them is so awesome i would have been disappointed if we didn't have that in the office right of course oh, yeah and the i love how all the windows have that like sludge sure 
like that yellow, like everything's a fry kitchen that hasn't been cleaned in like five years. Like all the windows have that greasy hue to them. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, they, um, I will say, I, I guess I, sh- I should get a, li- I, I should have gotten, well, we'll do a segment on who does, uh, set design because if you look beyond, uh, Her- Judge Harry T. Stone's office to the left past his desk is another hallway. It's not the main entrance to the office, but it's a hallway that must go somewhere else. They even decorated the hallway to make it look as though it's a professional institution. And what makes yeah. it a professional government building is a picture of the current sitting president. But they obviously just didn't have a picture of Ronald Reagan. So it's just Abraham Lincoln. Oh, yes, yes. Because I was like, that's a classy Abraham Lincoln photo they got hanging so that's uh that's that's on a second on a second watch you start catching things like that oh yeah so yeah we're back in harry's office after the commercial break uh they're waiting on the name they're waiting on the name of who saint chris kringle actually is he's recovered he's not dying of the heart attack no he that was a that was a he snuck sneak attack Mm mm-hmm and the doctor, the doctor clearly states it's a heart condition. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because Harry goes, I think he has a heart condition. And then it's and confirmed. And he said there's nothing you can do with this type of heart condition. And Chris, Kringle, that is, yeah. looks at Harry and says, see, I told you. And Harry's like, yeah, but it's it's better to hear it from a doctor. Guys, something, something to that point. Guys, wait, wait, wait. So he's been looking. This goes even deeper. How? This guy's the Grinch. This guy's the Grinch. Oh, his heart. He's got the heart too- condition. His heart's too big now. So this is a Grinch in disguise trying to take everybody down. Are we on a conspiracy kick right now? Yeah, that we're, we went from Twilight Zone to X-Files real quick. This Ooh, is getting conspiracy. Nice. So- Ashley, AL, AL defense attorney has an objection to that. You're wrong. That's that's it. It's a fact. It's not an objection. <sighs> Over. You should work for OJ. We're getting into deep Dream now. Team now, over now here. Now you're really overanalyzing. Hey, I just came to me. Go back and plant some blood on Stephen Avery. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're back in the quarters waiting on who the real identity of these people. Same with Michael J. Fox and his, and his lady. So they come up with the scheme, correct? What happens to Santa in real life? Uh, this gentleman, if he only gives his name as Santa, he's locked up with the sodomites, correct? They're not going to oh, fingerprint yeah. this motherfucker and take it to the oh, lab. Oh, yeah. Andy Dufresne ain't going to help you, Chris Kringle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, go ahead. Uh, so they're all, they don't, they don't want to buy in with Santa, even Harry. Again, he's not buying into the real magic. And still, Santa's dropping knowledge, gift guessing like a crazy person. Yeah, it starts to get real intense with the shit this guy knows. The doctor's leaving. The doctor who diagnoses him with the the non-Grinch-related heart condition. Thank you. As he's leaving, Santa from the couch just goes, how do you like that butter your wife got you? Oh, it's just fine. And then he, how did you know? He gives that really 80 sitcom-y look of, I'm caught in a real jam here. But let's be honest. No, because he answers it first, like, casually, like, oh, yeah, it's very nice, thank you. And then he realizes, like, well, wait. How would this guy Uh, who smells like a urinal know that my wife got me a putter? Hey, I got to tell you, I got to tell you guys, though, how is everybody, everybody else in the room at this point 
is a little too Henning K H bomb, a little too skeptical because oh, yes. I as well would be like, hey, what the fuck is going on here? Instead, they're like, he's a doctor. Doctors get putters. Not every fucking year from their wives. No, that everybody was a little too nonchalant with like the gift guessing. This shit's coming to fruition. For a Judge Harry T. Stone who says he believes in myths more than anybody else. Skeptic all over him. Drake equation. Ugh. He's like Houdini. Yeah, he wishes. He's making so many arguments against it, he's almost making arguments for it. Like, ah, it's cyclical. He's circling there you back. Go, you yeah. know what I'm saying? It's a metaphor. He's being it's, so... It, he, yeah. It's like last week. When Henning kept refuting God, he proved that God does exist. Suck it, Henning. <laughs> well, you you should clarify that. We have another podcast called Jerk Practice that's also available on iTunes, in which... If you think this baby goes off the rails, there we haven't even invented rails on that show. There Check were no rails involved. No way. Uh, and there's some science. All right. Uh, so do we enter Eddie Sims and and fiance? Yeah. So they're coming back in. Uh, yep. So we got him coming back in. And then Santa has a scheme. He's bringing a scheme. He's like, if I can't save myself... Father Christmas, if no one will believe me, please let me save these children. Right. The least I can do is show them that there is love in the world. Christmas is good. Let me guess these kids' age, weight, and birthday. <laughs> they usually are brought Casey Van Heel, Valley Fair's <laughs> finest. Because he was like, let me show them a thing or two. And then they give him the file with the names in it. Oh, so you got to set right. that up. Also, so so a county clerk comes in and says, somebody gave us the names of the two kids you're looking for. Here you go. They don't open the folder. Santa says, no, let me be the only one that looks in the folder. I will. Wait. Yeah. He Does he even say that? He says, yes. He says, let me be the only one that looks in the folder. That way I can prove to them that or I can show them some love. That there's somebody that cares for them. But then is the caveat that at the same time, I'm going to show you motherfuckers that I'm uh, an X-Men. He wants to show them the true meaning of (laughs) mid-January. Well, I think that that's that's the red herring. Because that's when we, in the episode, when we're like, oh, this guy knows he's not Santa because he needs this file folder to get the names of these kids. And, you know, he's... Uh, up until this point, he's talked about, you know, mentioned Larroquette's doll mm-hmm. issue yeah. when he was eight. He's called everybody by their name and Harold, Judge Harold by Harry. Yeah. He admitted to reading Bull's Christmas letter and Bull said thank you. Right. All of this stuff, the putter that the we putter. just discussed. So until that point, you know, we, we we're on the fence. And then that that's when we're like, oh, he he can't. He doesn't know these kids names, but he just wants to bring the Christmas or holiday post post-holiday spirit to these children you guys um uh uh, you guys had asked me earlier if i'd walk away not believe of course i believe this guy's santa claus i believe this guy was santa claus almost like i i don't need more than two instances of him saying like hey carla b did you like fucking jonesy last night you know like (laughs) this guy knows too much Yeah, no, he he's either in the CIA or he is Chris Kringle. Yeah, he's fucking Santa. Let's be honest. Let's and and you know what, Tim Allen, 
Uh, I like to do a little something where I put somebody on what I call the list, which is short for shit list. And Tim Allen's been on it before, and he was on it for his movie, The Santa Claus. Guess what? He's back on it for his movie, The Santa Claus, because that is a blatant, uh, blatant copyright infringement. Well, that's one of my notes in here is like the idea of Santa Claus as a horror movie, which this kind of gets into. Uh, in, in what way? You run into Santa drinking some gin under a bridge with a chuck-a-nuck? You can't, you can't, you can't lie to him, and then he takes a chuck a chuck a stick when you're on the naughty list. <laughs> yeah, I would, that guy. I mean, let's be honest. All right, I know we got to get back into it, but so let let's say he is Santa Claus. That guy's off his fucking medication, and he's drinking right. hard liquor from a. Book well, bag. we have to go. We have to backtrack a little bit because one important thing that we forgot to mention was that after the doctor left and before everybody came in the final folder and so on and so forth santa claus in air quotes speaks oh, yeah. to harry oh, and yeah. says with this heart condition oh my god yeah i'm not gonna last much longer i i'm looking for a replacement santa Thank you for bringing it back. That was part of the horror idea. I totally forgot. We didn't mention it. And that's where the whole Santa Claus twist comes in. Is crazy, dirty, urinal-smelling Santa. Once Judge Harry. He He's leaning into Harry. He's like, Harry, there needs to be another. Is that like a father, son, and the Holy Ghost kind of metaphor? Uh, Well, the, what did he say? He said the, the spirit, the love, and then the, there's a knock on the door. He said, I need someone to carry on the spirit, the love, and... When he's about to say the third thing, which in my mind, it's funny you say that, Hans, because yeah. in my mind I was, you know, mouthing out and the Holy Ghost. That was Jesus. There's a knock on the door that interrupts him. And that's when they come in, you know, the lawyers, the file folder, the so on and so yeah. forth. Yeah. The spirit, the love. And what's the what can be our third faux mid-January metaphor? For can we just put a friendly, gentlemanly, ladymanly, uh, three-card Montelly bet that... Uh, Somewhere in these nine seasons, we're going to have a uh, Jesus episode. I would oh, think so. Yeah, I'll, I'll double down on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Over uh, under like it's definitely happening. Yeah. That, what a great like setup. You're in night court. How many times are you going to have like uh, the joke of like even it's even in Ghostbusters. Like, you know, like, did you do you believe you're the savior? It's like my my uncle thought he was Saint Jerome. Oh God, great, great! Like great that's problem. like the trope of the '80s is someone thinks they're Jesus or God. Well, I'd call that a big I'd yes. Call that a big yes. That's a great poll, and that was a she was a great actress, huh? She was in Funny Farm too. Oh, that was good. Great old Biddy. Uh, All right, so we're back. My next note. So yeah, Santa Claus makes the offer to Harry, like a curse. <laughs> yes. A Santa Claus, K L A W S. Uh huh. There needs to be a new one. He uh he does. I, I I like that you said curse there because the only thing that matches the way he's physically acting is like old gypsies. Sorry to use that term. An old what do you, what what are gypsies? Old Romanian curse. I think that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know he's got the dangly fingers and he's waving them over Harry's face like. That's not necessarily the most. I think we're going back to Grinch territory here. That's not we're the most Kringleish yeah. uh, uh, way of saying I'm going to pass on this joy to you. It's not a good thing. Like it's a noble thing to, but it's a sacrifice. Yes, to become this the Chris Kringle in the Night Court universe. The Night Court use Chris Kringle. It's a curse. It's like a Highlander thing. Like you take on his 
weight and you become like a gin-soaked weirdo that no one believes. I was going to say, it's it's also a metaphor for the curse that Harry T. Stone took on for taking on his judgeship during his hot early, what did you say, his 40? His hot 40s yeah. when he should be in the clubs. He should be on the he road, could, dog. He could have been road dog and he should be the Malibu judge. Malibu <laughs> court. <laughs> oh, my God. Um. All right. So nice. Thank you for uh, thank you, County Clerk Van Garen, um, <laughs> uh bringing us back on track. So so now we're like, wow, this this is some serious Santa Claus shit. And um, uh, and uh, Harry T. Stone is getting more and more conflicted. And then we get into the, the scam. Yep. Of of the, the cursed Santa is going to prove to Michael J. Fox that he's loved. Like he's going to the loony bin for life. Yes. But before he leaves, he's going to give this kid the gift of love. These guys should be litigated for this. They they should not have <laughs> given him the file folder. <laughs> I want to bring suit against Night Court. I mean, there's a lot of like illi- this is this is like Oh yeah, they gave Santa the file folder. I'm like that's like 18 degrees of illegal. Yeah, this would be like a bit on The Simpsons where like Homer does like all these things like because how much he loves Night Court and then it just ends with uh, uh, Wiggum putting the cuffs on him like you can't do it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, so then they get Michael J. Fox and the lady in there and he is so against everything. Society. Old people. Moms, dads. Moms, dads living together. Caring. You don't know me. You don't know me. Nobody knows me. Adults don't know me. Oh, and they're getting married. We didn't mention that either. They're a little they're like young. Sixteen. And they're, they're a little no, young to get married. They're thirteen and twelve. What? Excuse me. Like we can jump to the end. So would they do? Would they do the scheme? And Santa guesses their name. Like I said, name, birthday, age, weight, and where they live. Uh huh. Because he saw it in the folder, and they freak out. Santa should work at the fair when Santa it's the off season. Santa is a huckster. This Santa, like Han said, is a Gypsy King Huckster. That's the name of the episode, Gypsy Romanian. King Huster, Huckster. <laughs> uh, so then Michael J. Fox has a meltdown because no one can love him. No one can know him. Judge Harry Stone rips off his robe, <laughs> drops his pants. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Might as well have. Uh, and then just gives, after Michael J. Fox gives this very long soliloquy about youth and being misunderstood and life in the city. If you know where I live, then you know the people there don't love me. Again, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I'm slathering his steak too hard here, but I fucking was like, Michael J. Fox deserves to be where he is. He fucking killed that shit. Yeah. But, and he calls someone a phony. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Nothing like being called a phony by eighties, teenage Michael J. Fox. Um, but where you are getting at, Casey, Judge T. Stone might as well have taken his pants and slinky undies off and flexed <laughs> his butt cheeks when he hugged him. Because I was so uncomfortable with the tightness and awkwardness of that, like, pull. So after Michael J. It Fox wasn't Santa this, that gave him the hug. It well, was a his, strange man. And his shirt's coming up. Yes. Uh, the so shirt's you can see up. skin. It's you a, see skin. It's the same thing with that Willy Wonka hug at the end of a Chocolate and Factory. The, yeah. And then and then Harry Harry's kissing him on the head because he's so little. It 
makes me so that one like I get it like you pull him in hard and he goes hey what are you doing you're hugging him and shirt, then he breaks down and up, embraces that shirt it. comes up though Ugh. that that skin you see that, that skin. young man small of back yeah. crest of butt like nothing and what happened is Harry T Stone took the um took the MS curse from Santa Claus into his own body and then distributed it now onto Michael J Fox <laughs> Just oh no! Parkinson's. It's Parkinson's. Boom. Gavel bang. Boom. Gavel. Close. Closing argument. Is that what Michael J. Fox? He doesn't even have MS, does he? No, he has Parkinson's. <laughs> Such an idiot. All right, tasteless joke. I love him. I love him. How good would it be to have Michael J. Fox onto the Have a Night? Nice, have a not after what have you just said. Court podcast. <laughs> we have episode two star Michael J. Fox. <laughs> Our first guest. We'll get him on And here. we don't talk about uh, Secret to My Success or Back to the Future or <laughs> Family Ties. Only episode two, Night Court. That is the only way we'll get him on the podcast. We will promise him, and it'll be hard, that we will not talk about Doc Hollywood or anything other than episode two, Night Court, in which he plays Eddie Sims. I bet he really likes Doc Hollywood, though. Well, and let me interrupt and and stray away from the actual episode, because Hans, you brought up, well, you brought up MS, uh, not Parkinson's, but Tiny <laughs> Factoid, I found out while researching all of this for the episode, is that one of Fox's first jobs was when he was still a teenager living in Canada, and it was a show that I'm not familiar with called Leo and Me. Yep, I know it, yeah. Well, did you know this? Oh, God. And this is from uh, his Wikipedia page. Fox is one of four members of the Leo and Me cast and crew who eventually developed Parkinson's disease in midlife, an unusually high number that led to several investigations as to whether an envir environmental factor may have played a role. So, Michael J. Fox, you're not that far off. He could have developed his disease from a TV show, just not this one. Wasn't what the Kringle the curse? Fuck. That's crazy. That's insane, right? I mean, it I mean, it's as insane as my um conspiratorial brain will take it like uh, of course that there's no reason uh, the skeptic Henning style in me, get well soon Henning, is um <laughs> Henning, Henning Henning doesn't have a, a MS or anything. He just isn't feeling well. <laughs> Fellow, fellow, I'm skeptical about that. Yeah, right. ba bailiff H bomb. Anyways, that's really fascinating. Where was Leo and me shot um, at? Chir In, did it, was it a sitcom that took place at Chernobyl? Yeah, and right. I was gonna say, was <laughs> Leo and me shot in '80s era New Jersey? <laughs> oh, hey, hey, Zing, bringing it back, Toxic Adam. Avenger. Well, let's bring it back to. Uh, let's get out of the. Let's get out of the sick zone where H, where I took it. Um, and back to the sick zone. Yeah, that hug. I'm telling you, I get it. Ugh. It felt like they'd maybe written themselves into a touch of a corner because, I mean, you could get to where you needed to go without a weird hug. But all right, it works. A, how do you put a lid on that kettle when he's fucking going? All cylinders firing Michael J. Fox, every emotional pos every emotion possible. You can't cut to a commercial. You got to pull his pants down and lift his shirt a little bit. <laughs> you hit him hard with Jeff Corey. <laughs> you hit him hard with Jeff Corey, Santa Claus, 
getting just as emotional because both of those two are equal scenery chewers. And he goes, Eddie Sims, you'd settle down. And then he goes, how'd you know my name? Because I'm fucking Santa Claus. Hindsight's twenty twenty. We can get back to the sick zone because they do the whole bit. He convinces Michael J. Fox that love exists with the help of Harry T's molestery lift of the T. <laughs> Harry T lift. <laughs> Harry T uh, lift. And then after that emotional, like, they accept that to go back home to their family. We do the yep. cut back from commercial commercial back to chambers. Everybody's sunning themselves on rocks <laughs> after they've dipped into that mid-January like holiday gift bags. Banana brandy. Banana brandy and candied oysters. Great line, Bull. <laughs> oh my god. Alright. Uh so before before that happens, Santa's taken away. His psychiatrist shows up and says, John Stevens, I'm here for John Stevens. We find out that Santa Claus's real name is John Stevens. He has escaped from a psychiatric ward. He does it every year at December and doesn't show back yeah. up usually till February. At that point, it Eddie, said Sims, March, even. Eddie Sims gets pissed off and says, wow, just another adult that lies to me. Santa Claus is taken away. Or no, not taken away yet. But then they finally say, like, we all care for you. Dirty hug. Um Oh, yeah, we're, we're backtracking from the hug, but dirty, sickening hug. And then um, they, he, they finally goes, how'd you know my name anyway? He goes, they go, we gave him your file in which he should have been like, I'm fucking getting a lawyer. Um, I'm suing the city of New York. <laughs> but anyways, we gave him the file. And this, before I do a reveal, m- m- again, hindsight's twenty twenty. I would have had him open the file and it was empty. Because it, it would have been less convoluted than what happens. Not, not right, I shouldn't now, say convoluted. Yeah. Confusing. Because I didn't get. I had to rewind and watch it again because I thought I missed something. He opens the file and he goes, "Yeah, we got your file about a little while ago." Donnie Tanaka and Sherry Chiriki, like these yeah. two bizarre Asian names that clearly isn't Eddie Sims. And then Santa goes. Well, I'm off. Ho, ho, ho. Can everybody's jaw da, 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 drops? Because no, he doesn't. He goes, ho, ho, ho. After he makes another threat slash tempting offer to Harry. Is he just trying to proposition Harry to give him an old dirty Kringle down low? I, I think that someone hug. wants a dirty Kringle. Yeah. Um, and then that creepy arm of the psychiatrist comes in. Yeah, him him off screen. Yeah, it was it was akin to what they were trying to do. Was akin to the the old you know the cane. Yes, the, uh, he had a weird effect around him. Like it looked like there was supposed to be like a graphic because like around his profile he was like sort of shimmering, like it was a cut and paste. No green screeny no. thing. It had a weird effect. I oh, just, I didn't see that. I think you were but drinking we did, some of that banana brandy towards that viewing. Candy did, oysters. Yeah. We really, um, we did miss my favorite joke though, because that when, um, when Michael J. Fox is going, you know what? This, you know, just another liar. He goes to psychiatrist. You want to hear something crazy? That's my job. That's my job. That's my I have job. it written That's down right here. Job. Best joke. Best joke of the episode. Absolutely. Favorite uh, joke. You can, you, can, couple... you can get on the um, comedic writing on this, whatever you want. Say it's antiquated. Say it's this and that. There's some sharp, quick writing in this. That's my job. They, there's a couple quick ones where he's 
where Michael J. Fox is doing his shit, trying to break people down. And it's like, I want to see my lawyer. And she's like, right here. Yeah. Tell him if you think you're stupid or not. Yeah. And then that's a bunch of bull. And he's like, yeah, what? Fucking dirty, lobotomized bull. That old Slavic (laughs) gypsy. (laughs) Why Uh, didn't offer bull? Like, bull would be the perfect, creepy, grinchy Santa curse guy. Oh, my God. Bull would be like Dauber in that bad made-for-TV Santa movie where he plays the oversized elf. (laughs) That's a deep cut. I'm sorry. But there's some TV movie where the actor who played Dauber on Coach... Name what's a good podcast name if there was ever a coach podcast? Uh timeout? <laughs> All right, work That's on it. it. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I'm trying to think of a coach thing. The name of the football team was the Screaming Eagles. Alumni uh, Club. There was that gay band uh that makes it sound derogatory, <laughs> but I'm not saying gay like dumb. I'm Oh no, he was he had a wife. I'm sorry. It, that does sound derogatory. That was there was the effeminate a band instructor who was always getting like wedgies by the players. Um, wait, are you pitching me on track, another but it's podcast? Pretty well off track. We don't need a coach <laughs> podcast at this point. Uh, so yeah, we're getting to the end of the like Michael J. Fox. The Santa makes his final offer before he gets the creepy yanked off of off stage. Think about it, Harry. Ugh. We cut back. They're drinking banana brandy and candied oysters. <laughs> You love that Just fat history. and sunning themselves. And then there's a, a scratch at the door. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And Ashley made a, made a point, like, everybody's sitting there just sort of, like, basking in the, man, was that Santa Claus? Man, the mid-January holidays. Uh-huh. And there's another scratch at the door. And Ashley made the point, like, no one else is going to get up to get it. Like, Harry gets up from his desk. He's the farthest from the door. Guys, guys. And guys. in the most, in like, I would say, un, unable position to get up. Yeah. It, it's He requires the absolute, by far, most effort to get the door. I understand it's his office, but Jesus. Well, let's There's be honest. There's people sitting at the door. Uh, uh, the, but the, the most uh, scary part about that is... No one, after the first two scratches, no one gets up. They just say, yeah, it's open. These these are not, this is not a knock on the door. This isn't something that could be confused as a knock. This is like Freddy Krueger-esque claw <laughs> yeah. oh, scratching definitely scratching, And it's, it's scratching to the point where we watch everything on closed captioning, and the closed captioning says, scratching on the door. Mm-hmm. So Harry goes to the door, opens it to the, the, the dirty hallway we mentioned with the Lincoln picture. Yep. Nothing. He kind of does the like left, right. I don't know. What was that? I called it, by and, the way. When I heard scratching, I don't know if you guys did, but I had it. Oh, I did not call it. I thought I was like, rat? <laughs> it should have been. Rat with I antlers. Know. Uh, and then he sees a reindeer and he's like, guys? Guys, and by the time the rest of the brandy-addled crew, he's like, "Guys, you gotta see this! Like, you can't, you're not gonna believe this." Wake up from their euphoria. There's nothing in the hallway, and he's like, "Look, look down the hallway!" And of course, classic punchline herself. Selma rounds the corner, and they're like, "What, Selma? Selma Hacker? Selma Hacker?" 
And then uh, Harry's like, did you see anything unusual? And then her response is like, well, yeah, of course. Yep. And they go to the corner. They do the pan down. Pan down, pan down as they all walk down the corner and look uh, eye level. And then it shifts to the floor. There's a big old dump. That we can't see. That we're not shown. Tastefully done to assume. Yeah. Reindeer dumps. Reindeer shit. And Selma Hacker goes, if you think I'm cleaning that up, you're crazy. You're as crazy as a mid-January Santa Claus, Selma. Now that you mention it, Ashley, just in the like the um, staging and setup of that, like in the way they they had to be overly animated to like looking straight out to all looking down at the same time. You're right; it's very theatrical. Oh yeah the the first thing I thought of once we finished the episode, I was like, that really was a small play, and it's staging and it's line delivery and the acting and in the story and everything. It was it it felt very staged to me, like on a stage, which I liked about it, but. You know, I, I think it doesn't say in the beginning, which, correct me if I'm wrong, they used to, or maybe they didn't that early, but it was filmed in front of a live studio audience, yes? Oh, yeah, you never got the in so front of a live studio audience. But I think that may have come later because yeah. I think the laugh track was developed after 80, 82, or 83, wherever we are right now. Yeah. And so they didn't have to say that because any mm. comedy that had the laughs, obviously it was in front of a studio audience. I don't think it was until the 90s that people started doing laugh tracks. I think we may need to do some research. I think they introduced the line in front of a live studio audience to justify the laugh track because it wasn't in front of like. Or I think if it so was. Coach, Co- it's funny that you mentioned Coach because Coach definitely – has the filmed in front of a live studio audience. And I think that was one of the first shows because I think at that time a lot of shows went to to funnier camera work. Yeah. And so they they laugh tracked a lot in or would edit a lot of stuff and kind of, you know, help. So I think maybe also another reason for the play is they wanted it to go without cuts as yeah, a play. Yeah, yeah. They were performing for this audience. They were hitting their jokes, hitting their marks and and doing their timing not based on a, a camera. But based on the audience reaction. Yeah. That's, uh, I think, one of the first shows that's interesting you mentioned that about the laugh track. We definitely got to figure that. Yeah, we have to research. It's always been something uh, on on uh, the top of our heads, a case about uh, history oh, of the yeah, laugh yeah. track and laughers and clacks and all that stuff. Um, one of the first shows I remember having that because they would have different actors or actresses say the line. So it was almost like, to me who's like so focused on little things like that, like a lover of little nuances and sitcoms was cheers because I was be like, Oh, this episode, Kelsey Grammer said live recorded in front of a live studio audience. That oh, one right. was Carla. Oh, right. Sam. Yeah, that's, you're Woody. totally right. I, I got hung up on the same thing. Like I remember, you know, like even as a kid, you're like trying to divine, the read the tea leaves of like oh Woody said it maybe it'll be a funny or maybe it's a Woody episode you know Absolutely. it's really funny or maybe it's funnier if when be, it's well they still do that now it's just not that it's uh you know a lot of in the procedural dramas that they have now previously on oh yeah and it's the character do, a different character a different does character it does the... and generally if either the the main storyline is developing around that character or the episode you're about to watch is focused on then it's going to be that character oh okay. it's interesting yeah 
That's really interesting that you say that because I don't remember that. But I'm like, oh, yeah, that still happens. No, it's just true in that a different they, format. I, it's because it was someone who grew up like people our age are making TV now. So they watched the same shit. So they were like, I remember the previously on or filmed in front of a live studio audience bit. What? Um, all right. So uh, anything else on, on episode two? Uh, Santa goes downtown. Other than impre- like good, Other good than stuff. That, that dude, Santa. Jeff Corey. And it's a curse. He's Santa, and it's a curse. This this can't stand, but it's the best I could come up with. Out of one to ten gavel bangs, <laughs> what would you give this episode? <laughs> I give it eight. Go eight on that, uh, Ash. You know, here's the thing. For the second episode, I'm going to give it a six. Jeez. Because as the second episode, I don't necessarily feel that they earned having an episode like that yet. Interesting. That would be be for me. Now, if that specific same episode change absolutely nothing, but put it in season two or season three, I would have given it a nine. That that's where I'm going with this. That is a you got to look at it fresh. Caveat. Interesting. I'm with you. I like I'm that. with your decision. I, I like that. I'll, I'll support that. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go more with Casey. I'm gonna go with an eight because I'll, I'll give it a different caveat because they just went for broke so early, and I know there's yeah. valid, valid. That's where it's gonna lead me into this because I did do some research. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it an eight on out of eight to ten cavil, gavel bangs. Um, <laughs> uh, and the Chuck reason being is because yeah, I think they went hard out of the gate after a somewhat soft pilot episode because yeah. they really needed this one. And that brings me to some research I did on NBC's TV programming. You guys want to follow mm-hmm. me on this? Let's Do go. It. Okay. So as we said, the show airs January 4th, 1984. And I thought I was going to be so smart, Ash, with why did they have a the Santa episode? But you guys clearly pointed out that it totally fits because it's a January episode. However, what doesn't fit, real quick, back into the episode, there is a point when Bull says, you want to do one more case before lunch? Hey, I thought this was Night Court. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. But they, they do a lot of things. Um, You know, Harry gavel bangs and goes like, that's a lunch. I think they have the same breaks. Like you take... Midnight lunch. If you, if he you says work dinner. an auditor... No. Does he? Well, still, he said no, dinner, but dinner not, dinner doesn't make sense either. You're not going to have dinner either. at 2 a.m. in night court. So, yeah. So, I think that they're just on that that night courty schedule. Those sleep all day, stay up all night type things. No, no. It, that's me being a, a pissant. Uh, um, uh, so... <laughs> What I had to do, because it doesn't, ju- it just doesn't, going back to NBC programming, it doesn't just say, and it doesn't just work, like, Night Court replaced this show at this time slot. There's a lot more to it. So I had to go back. If Night Court airs in 1984, I have to go back to 1983 and see what's airing in that time slot then. But then I mm-hmm. also have to see if that show is continued into 1984 or if it gets canceled because throughout the season, it's not just one show in that time slot. In fact, night court in 84 shares that time slot as they move it around with three other shows before it just starts following cheers. And the same happened the year before in 1983. So in doing my research, there are one, two, three, four, and I have a treat on there, but there's four potential. There are four shows that were, canceled or discontinued in 1984 that at one time held this slot the previous year 
which is a lot of slot changing. One show, and let me feel me in if you've ever heard of them, because I, I haven't. Well, I'll start with the first one. Love, Sydney. We talked about it. First gay yeah. lead, Tony Randall. The next show is entitled Teachers Only. It's a show starring Norman Fell that lasted for two seasons that took place in an L.A. high school called Millard Fillmore High, and that's all it says except for in the second season. or The first season, Norman Fell plays an English teacher who teaches at Millard Fillmore High. The second season, Norman Fell becomes a guidance counselor that teaches at Woodrow Wilson High. It's canceled, and I think they obviously focused on making uh, less important changes than maybe some plot points. I was going to say, I love that they focused on the high school. Like, ah, this is Millard Fillmore High isn't going to work. It's crazy, Sir, 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 that's not a real school. You got to send them to Woodrow Wilson High. There are a little more troublemakers there. The next, the third option is a show entitled Buffalo Bill. Casey? No, never heard of it. I haven't heard of any of these. It's a sitcom. This lasted two seasons. A sitcom with Dabney Coleman as a gregarious UK UK, um, daytime talk show host. So he did an accent? He must have. Anyways, it's it's canceled that year. But my... Why? (laughs) But my bet... Like a Gary Shandling type thing? My money is on this... It's a great show. It ran from 1978 until it ended uh, the year before uh, Night Court, and it was the last to hold that slot, was Taxi, a show that took place in New York at a dispatch dispatch taxi station that launched such careers as Tony Danza, Christopher Lloyd, Michael J. Fox, connection there, uh, Danny DeVito, Andy Kaufman, and it ends, so it's a it's a nighttime New York show that leaves a void for a nighttime New York oh, show. Oh, that's, that's yeah, that's gotta be so it. perfect that's it. because I think they're different networks. I think Taxi was ABC. No, Taxi was that, Taxi was NBC. Was it? Yep. Gavel bang, gavel bang. Wrong, wrong. H. Uh, Taxi was definitely on ABC. I don't know what that does to the validity of the lineup conversation we're having right now, but I do know you can now email us at goodnightcourt at gmail.com and call me a bonner, or you can check us out on Facebook. Our Have a Good Night Court is attached to the Jerk Practice Podcast on Facebook, at Jerk Practice Pod. You can also write a scathing review as long as you give it five stars. And then go ahead and share that nasty review with people that will also subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And then you're helping us out. Back to the program. Gavel bang, gavel bang. That totally makes sense because if you are like that 40-year-old TV viewing family, you come home, you turn the TV on to the station of the show you like. crazy New Yorkers. Right. Like you turn the TV on. Like, because it's taxi, there's not a narrative. Like, you don't ever expect to see... Like, you're never going to see the end unless you see the last episode. Right. You turn it on, and you're like, oh, this doesn't... Ah, it's kind of the same thing. It is the same thing. It's the same feel, quirky... Yeah, yeah, like Night night Weirdos. It's the Night Weirdos. It's Night Weirdos. Taxi was a great show. Yeah. Oh, love Taxi. And interestingly enough, in in doing this research... All right, one... uh, In doing this research... Uh, it also tells me Nielsen ratings, and we'll definitely get into this. While um, uh, Night Court is going to go on to be um, pretty well received critically, 
it never really did so hot as far as viewership. I don't think yeah. it raised any higher. It never made the top 30 in the Nielsen ratings. I think it's too smart. Yeah. <laughs> it may be. No. And it's so funny because so many of the jokes in the quote unquote zingers that we've been talking about are just, you know, kind of dummy one liners. But honestly, they're they're cleverly crafted yeah yes. they're old school they're not choreographed and they don't load them up and set the table and then do the joke big laugh track you know like they just do them it just goes it moves good or bad like they don't linger on like a big dumb joke it's also the difference between night court and taxi the one difference is that regardless of you know how dopey some of the characters may be if you look at the characters in, in um, Taxi versus the characters in Night Court, Night Court has to, by average, have a more educated character base. Right, right. Sure, of course. Of course. So, you know, and some people definitely, you know, Casey and I are back in middle America now. You know, that 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 snob factor may turn some people off, even though the show's not snobby. You know, like lawyers. Oh, you, you think you're so they smart, know Dan Fielding? Oh, uh, yeah, there's some smarm factor. How for dare sure. you make fun of Bull? Dirty Slavic Bull. I can't wait for that episode. So in my research, I found out what Bull's first name is. There's going to be a Cosmo Kramer-esque reveal episode, I'm sure. Yes. Of yes. Um, Speaking of Cosmo Kramer, I know this from childhood Michael Richards is in an episode of Night Court, and it's fucking awesome. I cannot fucking wait. He plays an amazing night weirdo character. Uh, he, we'll, does, I don't know when it comes. It'll be a treat when we get there, but speaking of Cosmo Kramer, he's there. He's represented. Does he uh, Does he go on a rant and say, you're a Twinkie? You're a Twinkie? Oh, it's it's even weirder than that. Oh, what was the <laughs> other thing at the end, too? The, the oh, fruitcake. Fruitcake. Oh yeah, like I that have was that. For, yeah, that was for a crazy person, which is funny. A a, a gay crazy person. Uh, guys, did you know there was a sh- oh, man? Uh, <laughs> there's a show that aired for one season the same year as Night Court, and it fought with its time slot for a little bit, and it was almost blew me away. As was much it called Day School? Seeing Michael J. Fox's face on episode two of Night Court. Have you ever heard of the show called The Duck Factory? No. Oh my, Jim Carrey's in it. It's Jim Carrey's first ever like big he's a, the leading role of a one season sitcom that aired for 13 episodes called The Duck it's Factory, like an, an advertising he, firm, right? He he moves to LA and becomes a cartoon animator. And the oh. the the ah. The CEO of the animation the studio dies, and he has to save Dippy the Duck, their main character, from oblivion. Destroyed I by I only Night knew Court. that f- from my uh, middle school era, as in most young boys' obsession with Jim Carrey. Oh, that's right. Pre-internet, I like, I knew he was in a show called Duck Factory because... I was like, what did he do? Like, what what else has he done? Sure. Which is funny because you also didn't have Google, so that took a lot of research for you to figure that out. Were yeah. You checking out a book? I think it was probably an E! True Hollywood, maybe. It was oh, something. Wow. I also know that he, uh, when he, he worked in a, he didn't graduate high school. He worked in a factory with his family. Hates people of Jamaican descent because while he worked with them at the factory, he used to carry around a samurai sword like me. And he used to punch like the wall. Yeah, because he yeah, lived in a car. Um, 
Man, real quick uh, house cleaning that we didn't do last time was just um, if you want to go watch. Are you guys safe with me doing some house cleaning? No, of course. Do it. If you want to join us on our on our legal journey watching Night Court, I did some research. The best we can do for you right now is you can go on um, Amazon, get the whole first season, 13 episodes for nine ninety nine. That's what it, we did. It, that's what we did. Uh, that's what I did. Um, uh, we're working on it. Uh, I did some research on who we need to petition to get Night Court streaming for free. And it is still owned by the Warner Brothers Company. And the best thing I think we can do is start a petition on change.org to to petition uh, to get Night Court streaming for free. However, in my research, I found out there was already a petition on change.org to get Night Court. Streaming for free on Netflix that was started by contact the person that was started by Pat and Price. And if you, I did research through these change.orgs. They're like having requests like, we need 300,000 signatures and we're really going to change it. All Patton Price requested was 200 people to sign his petition. And the petition has since closed because he only got 93. Can we get, we got to find get all those 93 people. We got to get Patton Price on this show. Of course we do. Well, there's no doubt about it. That's why I bring him He can be our Judge Harry Stone. So keep. Uh, listening, obviously, um, uh, and I will keep you updated on uh, on our venture into um, getting this baby streaming for free. But for now, we got 13 episodes. Dish out the 9.99. It's well worth it for this episode alone. And uh, hopefully, by the time we're on season two, this baby's streaming for free. Yeah, we got to use some Chris Kringle magic and get this baby out to everybody. Get those gangly fingers lifting up a shirt and clenching <laughs> some butt cheeks. <laughs> all right i guess uh that's ring the gavel court is out of session uh the night is long and full of weirdos have a good night court have a good night court <sighs> Fuck, i missed it night court night hi 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 court have a ooh, good night court ooh, 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 night it's night court. Night, night court. Have a good one. It's a night court. Ooh. Have a night court. Night court. Have a good night court. Night court. Have a good night court. Night court. That's dinner, everybody. You see, in Holland, I leave the presents in the children's shoes. Well, there was this one kid. Hey, hey, Santa Claus, why don't you tell us what it's like up in the North Pole there? Bet you, uh, bet you freeze your sleigh bells off at night, right? He's a worm. He's a kid. Someday you'll grow up. And be a large worm. (laughs) Why are you so angry, young man? Me? I ain't angry. Am I, sweetheart? Not to me, you're not. Well, what, what do you want me to do, Gramps? Climb up in your knee and tell you what I want for Christmas? If you'd like. If I'd like? Hey, somebody get this Twinkie away from me. Hey, that'll be enough out of you.
This is my courtroom, and you will treat people with respect. This nut thinks he's Santa Claus. Well, how do you know he isn't? I think I've seen this on the Twilight Zone. <laughs> hey, kids, maybe we got off on the wrong foot earlier, huh? You want to have some fun? Here, here's a magic ball. Now, I put it in my hand, and then, and then I get some magic powder, and then I sprinkle it on the ball, and it's gone. Where'd the ball go? In your pocket. <laughs> in your ear. Oh, Judge, don't get angry at him. He's not a bad boy. He's just a little frustrated, that's all. Believe me, I've seen it a million times before. Eddie, is he really Santa Claus? Oh, sure he is. Look, look, he's got a red suit, he's got a beard. You need more proof than that? You know, it's all right for you not to believe in me. It really is. Because the important thing is that I believe in you. Night Court.